Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Andy Staples on three. Realignment continues. It never stops. Jesse Simonson, you're here on three national writer. We have not gotten your take on all that has happened. Colorado has left the big, the PAC 12 It has gone back to the big 12. The PAC 12 is now, we don't know. They're nine. They always change the number, but I don't think they're going to wind up at nine. Well, where do you want me to start? Cause I do have thoughts. I've, I've written a column and on three, it came out uh, late last week. This is obviously Sunday night show. I think it came out Thursday. Um, and I got off the Klyavkov jokes, mm-hmm. but I think where I'm at right now, Andy, and where I would like to kind of start this conversation from as a launching point is I kind of feel like I'm like a Mugatu from Zoolander. Oh, and yeah. I'm on crazy pills. That's my Halloween costume this year, by the way. Just, just wait for the show. Are you serious? I will do it in costume. Oh, wow. I've got the wig, I even the sweater. It's, it's in my closet. I didn't even know that. Yeah. This is this is organic podcasting, video podcasting at oh, its yeah. finest. So, oh, yeah. Well, I feel like I'm on crazy pills because, correct me if I'm wrong, but the national narrative from many out there and many colleagues that we respect mm-hmm. seems to be that the Big 12 commissioner is seen as this kind of renaissance man and mm-hmm. savior because, wait for it, he added – Three G5 schools well, a year he didn't ago. Add the Bob Bowlesby Bob added, Bowlesby added yeah, them, but they, the conference yeah, as a yeah. whole has added three yep. G5 schools. They did sign a nice meter rights deal. And an independent and, BYU. And an independent, uh, two, two G5s and an independent. They get a nice meter rights deal, basically usurping Klyavkov. And then they added the worst program in the Pac-12. And just to me, continuing our Ben Stiller movie mm-hmm. uh, analogy in my head here, it feels like they're still kind of like the skinniest kid at heavyweight. So you're not worried about the Pac-12? I, I, I am worried about the Pac-12. And I think that the jokes write themselves with Klyavkov. But I just think we have older, oversold how how – awesome this is for the big 12. i don't know they, that it's awesome for the big 12 in that there's some headlines got, out there they much. got colorado but here here's here's where the big 12 should take a victory lap we left them for dead when texas and oklahoma left for dead we were like oh they're gonna get raided the pac-12 is gonna pick them apart or the american's gonna try to get them and before they can get schools from the american they are the one that is strong, robust, and thriving right now. Comparatively, yes. But yes. I would say, I mean, look at when Colorado was last in this conference. Mm-hmm. Texas was in the conference. Yep. Oklahoma was in the conference. Texas A&M. Missouri. Texas A&M. Yep. Looks a whole lot different. It has obviously become, and I do believe, uh, in the strengthening, especially as we can, you know, leapfrog forward here if they are able to get arizona i do think it's become you know the burgeoning power in hoops which does give them agency b 
because of the billion dollar enterprise the, the, that is the right, NCAA the tournament next yes. to the cool kids table. Right. Like so you, you can't have a basketball tournament without them, you which can't, you can't helps elbow a lot. them out yep. because they have all the important teams. So yep. I do think that's important. I just think let's see this next shoe to fall before we really crown, uh, you know, the, the commissioner there well, is kind of is, is done a good job by being aggressive. But I do think like Linda Livingstone, the president of Baylor is she's the head of the, the that president's group right now. All of those presidents, for the most part, have been through all of this before. And I, I think that's the difference between the Big 12 and the Pac-12 is, is the presidents in the Big 12 have dealt with all of this. They have lost. They have had to pick up schools. They have lost more schools and had to pick up more. Like They, they know how the, the order of operations work, and they also know how aggressive you have to be. And I, I said this the other day. The Big 12 knew it was in a kill or be killed situation. I don't know if the Pac-12 knew that until last week. I would say we know the Pac-12 didn't, didn't think that because Klavkov's been a step slow. I mean, he has done, as I wrote, his best, you know, homage to Larry Scott because he's had his head in the sand seemingly on everything. Now, to your point about he's the president, he's got to deal with their presidents. That's to your point. Yeah, their presidents seem to be also kind of stuck in quicksand because they have been slow to react through a very, you know, to a multitude of of issues uh, in and around this sport. I mean, from th- the fact that he literally went on record. Friday, last Friday, yeah, and said, not worried. And the, the kicker was, we have bigger fish to fry. That that is gonna haunt him. I mean, and that yeah. was that is literally, well, you just lost maybe your worst member or worst c- football team, and your conference still might be cooked because right. it doesn't look like, as we can explain, it doesn't look like the Mountain West consent, San Diego State can't go now. Because they would owe I mean, some they, thirty they million dollars. They can go eventually, but they can't go for next. Can't year. go in twenty twenty four. So they would owe some thirty million dollars. I mean, where do they go, Andy? SMU. You could get SMU right now, but that's that's the thing. Now, San Diego State, because you could add San Diego State for two years from now if you want. Yeah, to. you got to wait till twenty five. Uh, but, yeah. but San Diego State, from a competitive standpoint, is superior to Colorado yes. in in the revenue sports. The better football program of late. Now, the, the Coach Prime thing does change things a little bit, but San Diego State basketball is fantastic. The Pac-12 actually needs that as much as anything else. Here's, here's an actually interesting thing that I don't think has gotten a lot of uh, buzz, but I think is at least an interesting offshoot of this realignment because you just mentioned Prime. Yep. We know Everyone loves Dion. They're going to be one of the must-watch teams this fall. I wonder if they actually are now entering a more difficult equation in 25 in 24 25 than what they would potentially be facing in the Pac-12 knowing oh, what 100%. we know the Pac-12 is as deep as it's ever been right and knowing yeah. what we know about how they're going to lose the best quarterbacks are leaving yep. Bo Nix yep. you know Caleb Williams is they're going off to a new conference Penix is going to be gone I mean the Big 12 is going to look a whole lot different I wonder if it's got, now he obviously Dion's stoked about getting to recruit texas and and florida right is that much better than getting to recruit california well, where the majority of your and you also know, are? i don't the, know the longer you go in the big 12 the longer cincinnati ucf houston have to find recruit a little foot at their level and and deepen 
I'm telling you, and, and Kansas State's already good. Baylor's already good. TCU just played for the national championship. Like, it's going to be a tough road in the Big 12, too. And we'll find out. I mean, they play Colorado plays TCU right out of the gate. So we'll, we'll see where they, they stand up. William Henderson with a, with a comment on the, the stream here. Pac-12 is like Texas, Texas. They think more of themselves than reality. The Pac-12 is nothing at this point, William says. It's still something. It's not dead. And here's my question to you, Jesse. If you are Oregon and Washington, stay. Okay. Why? Because if you are able to get in your hypothetical SMU, right, in this landscape of we're now going to a 12 team playoff where you're guaranteed, keyword guaranteed, mm-hmm. an automatic berth if you win your conference, right? Those two teams have an easier path, as we just outlined, than probably any other Power Five school in the okay, country. Okay, let me throw let me throw this at you. And this is not happening right now. But Oregon would like to go to the Big Ten. Washington would like to go to the Big Ten. I don't think that's happening. The The Big Ten has shown not a lot of appetite for adding more. Uh, Kevin Warren, when he was commissioner, wanted to add more. But nobody since then. And he's gone. He's with the Bears. What about this? If you're the Big 12, and I don't know that they'd say yes, but you can ask. Oregon, Washington, and Utah. You add them to the Big 12. That is at least a two-bid league every year and probably a three-bid league most years. So is your path to the playoff really that much harder in a league that could get three teams in? So in this hypothetical scenario, no Arizona. Arizona's going to end up... Listen, I take those three over Arizona in heartbeat. I, I, take, I would too. I'll take better football over better I still, basketball. I still, I still think I'm waiting out I'm waiting out the big boys. I'm waiting out a phone call that I think comes eventually from the big 10. It's just not going to come right now. And so if the, cause I think the payout seems to be knock on wood here. Mm -hmm. They seem to to think that ultimately their media rights payout is going to at least be similar to what the big 12 has right now. Yeah. And that's, if it is then great, you're in good shape. Yeah. But what does that look like? Because one thing that Rick George said, the Colorado AD, when they were announcing their move, is before he ran out. Before he ran no, out. No, no, no. This is after he ran out. Of okay. Reporters. This is this is after they said, "Hey, we're moving." He was with the chancellor in the press conference, and he said, "We want to be aligned with ESPN and Fox." The implication there is that the Pac-12 won't be on those two networks, which I'm still not convinced it won't be on one of them. And, and then you've got an Apple or an Amazon filling in everything else, which, again, that's something everybody can get, unlike the Pac-12 network. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, we, I think we said it last, last week. I, I, I would be hard-pressed to believe that ultimately, I know ESPN's going through a lot of dynamics right now, but if they, they need inventory, they're obsessed with live rights, I think the Pac-12 is going to come fairly cheap. They want that Pac-12 after dark time slot. Well, they right. need it. Right. Now, if you're the Big 12 and you can get more Pac-12 teams, you can have that slot. Right. Now, you probably need to get That's some specific a great point. time zone teams, too. That, that You know, you get Arizona. Now, Arizona actually is in the Pacific time zone part of the year. They're, they're mountain standard time all year. Yeah, I don't They don't know, believe yeah. in daylight savings time. I knew that. Yeah, I, so, I actually, that, that's a fun fact, but I, that, yeah. Yeah, it it's, it's just depends on when you go. You got to do the math in your head, and it's, it's really bad. Just look at your phone. It changes. But there's another factor in this that we're not accounting for. AC, AC. 
ACC. Go ACC. Yes, the ACC. ACC. You and I both live in Florida. It's impossible to ignore Florida State rattling the saber over and over again about, I I don't want to be in this league if we're going to be 30 to $40 million behind the SEC teams we have to recruit against. And they're doing the math up until uh, 2036 when the ACC contract ends. I still think it's a massive risk, whether you're Florida State or Clemson or Miami or North Carolina, to challenge that grant of rights. But I'll throw a date out at you that's flying around this state. And that's August 15th. It's not tax day, but it's 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 might as well be Florida State's tax day. Yeah. It, so if you would like to leave the ACC and play somewhere else in 2024, you would have to declare that intention by August 15th. Right now, I I find it hard to believe anybody's going to do that. But I'm just throwing it out there, and because the just the, the rhetoric out of Tallahassee keeps feeling like they want to make a move. Well, you and I were talking about this before the show. It just. It, I get their urgency and, you know, desire to want to leave. I mean, they're getting lapped financially. They just landed a five-star the other day. Yep. And Mike Norvell's like, we need these coffers going to be able to keep up with the NIL and just the general resources yeah, and, and paying and, staff and remember, members. Who do they recruit against the most? Florida, Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, LSU. Those are the teams they have to recruit against. Exactly, exactly. And as our conversation went, I just – I just think right now they're a man without a home because the SEC has the Florida mm-hmm. that isn't interested in saying they, they right. do not have there, any- there would be pushback to Florida State or Clemson trying to join the SEC. Now, there would be no pushback to North Carolina. They no. would take them, but the Big Ten would also take them in a heartbeat if they were available. So that's that's the thing. The other piece of this that I, I feel like nobody's ever talking about, and, and I feel like it's important. The SEC and the Big Ten have not operated as 16-team leagues yet. They'll do that next year. I don't know that I'd want to try to grow anymore until I see how that works. I th- well, I, that's an I mean, that is bravo because that I think you just encapsulated what Greg Sankey has sort of been saying without explicitly saying that. Yeah, and the Big Ten commissioner Tony uh, Tony Petiti essentially said a similar statement at media days last week. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they did not say it in those precise terms. Well, once you go past 16, they, you're not even really a conference anymore. Right. You're, you're more of a AFC, NFC, you know, you can split it up into, into half semi-conferences or divisions or however you want to do it. But you're probably not really, especially if you get to like 20, you're two 10-team leagues at that point. And, that, and that's why we're seeing uh, the Big Ten say, yeah, Oregon and, and Washington are nice. If we wanted those schools, we would have had them a year ago. They can take them anytime they want. And, yeah. and that's why my thing with Oregon and Washington, you you pick the flavor you want. If you want to stay in the Pac-12 and they add some some schools, great. If you want to go to the Big 12, whatever. You're, you can get out when the Big 10 does their new TV deal if they want you. We don't believe – or I don't believe this folly that like they could go independent. That Phil Knight would no. pay for them to go in. But what about, okay, this bubbled up when USC and UCLA left. We all quickly dismissed it because it just doesn't seem plausible. But I keep thinking about it again and again after this situation because you've got a couple entities that are now backed into a corner. You've got the ACC where unless they can figure out new revenue streams, 
they have a problem coming up because there are seven schools that want to get out or want radi- to radically change things. They either, they want to change the, the revenue distribution model or they want to get out. Oregon and Washington and Utah need something to help them, whether that's a good TV deal from the Pac-12, which I think is what they're hoping for, or something else. Could the ACC pick them up? The Super League? I, it doesn't make any sense because you'd have all these teams on the East Coast, nothing in between, Louisville, I guess, and then all these teams on the West Coast. It makes zero sense, but none of this makes sense. They actually kind of need each other, but it's so logistically dumb that I just don't think you can do it. Yeah, and, and there's also the complicating factors. of You've mentioned Utah several times. Yep. They seem to have, and I don't know the inner workings of their, you know, school president, but the, the little bit that I've read and talked to some people, they seem to have kind of an undying loyalty to the Pac-12. They've because, only been there as long as Colorado. There's no undying. Any, remember, but the but but they gave them, but they gave them the the official blue check mark of you're now a Power Five school. This this is a school that once started its own conference. Like it, it led everybody out. Well, what of the happens in Utah stays in Utah sometimes too. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's <laughs> right. a whole other world out there. Yeah. So, so we don't know exactly what happens next. It is going to be really interesting. The simplest explanation is, hold on. We got a, a comment from Chris Callen here. FSU better have a promise from the big 10. If they try this, I don't think the big 10 is promising anybody anything. I don't, that that, that I, again, FSU is a man without a home because I don't think they academically meet exactly with what the Big Ten school. Yeah, they fit fine in the, in the SEC, but yeah. it, you know that they're going to get pushback on that. But I think ultimately, if they're available, the SEC would take them and Clemson if they could get them. Yeah, I think they would want them, Just, Clemson, maybe North Carolina yeah. and Virginia Tech. Virginia probably if they could get them, but it, I don't know if they could get them. That's another one the Big Ten would want, but. Yeah, I, you, you think about just the brands and the, the matchups you could create and something like that. Yeah, you're looking at, okay, I'd watch those games. Right. Like, And that's, when we're talking about this stuff, this is not how the presidents see this, but this is how the TV networks that actually run this stuff see this. Would you watch these games? Like, if I tell you we're putting Florida State and Clemson in the SEC, would you watch those games? Hell yeah, you'd watch those games. Yeah, but I guess the pushback is that the SEC is like we're at, we're about to be at sixteen and we can't get ESPN to give us more money. Yeah, for I, these better games. That one, that one, that's another piece of it. You just have to say, look, we're redoing this deal. Yes, tear or we're going up. to court. Tear <laughs> like, it up. And and trust me, ESPN would cave to the SEC because it is a cash cow. Pole. It's a tent pole of their future business. Like, I don't think this is going to work out this way because it sounds like. it's more likely Disney spends ESPN off or sells an equity stake. But I said, if if they ever sell ESPN with Disney plus, and it's just part of the app that it's just going to be like Darth Vader, bell or some other princess, Marvel, Nick Saban. Yeah. Thanos, Nick Saban. (laughs) So that's how important the sec is to ESPN. So they have probably more leverage than, than people realize, but I don't know that that's where we are right now. It's the simplest solution right now is talk to San Diego State, see if they'll come in 2025, talk to SMU, see if they'll come now, 
You could talk to Colorado State if you wanted. To, if you wanted to have twelve, you could. UNLV is another one. But super exciting programs. You could go. You could just go ten and take one of them. You could take SMU right now. I, I that's if I'm Oregon and Washington, that that's that's the thumb that I'm I'm having my school presidents you know press down on that option. Yeah, yeah, I, and that makes it easier. Oregon, Washington, Utah can kind of split that path of the playoff. You know, if Arizona does Arizona State get good, they've got the shot. But it is a I, I saw somebody in the chat pointed out that it's definitely a one bid league. For sure. Yeah. It's not like the Big Twelve potential two bid league now, if you could get the best of those to come somehow. And again, none of the rhetoric suggests they want to, but this gets worse. Because remember. George Klyavkov has not presented the full group of Pac-12 presidents with the numbers for the TV deal yet. What happens if it lands like a, st- a fart in a stiff wind? Like $20 million? Well, or it's similar numbers, but it's networks you never heard of or people are going to not subscribe to. But then if you're still getting $30 million, you're getting $30 million, right? Because it's going to be... Oh, that, no, 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 no. They're signing a Ex- short-term deal. Exposure matters too. That's fa- that's fair. Especially that's, when you're that's not fair. something people seek out. Like the SEC or the Big Ten, you could put them on any network. People would go find them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But that's not necessarily the case here. And the AC, honestly, the ACC, I think, has found a similar you know, problem, that they just don't have the, the brand names plus exposure right because the brand names miami florida state we'll see what happens but they've been down yeah but they do have espn and abc and so you can find their games pretty easily they have their own network on espn so it's it's not hard to find acc games this is this is the issue like if kliavkov come back and says it's apple or it's amazon and that's most of the games and some of the games are going to be on espn how many people are going to subscribe? Now, Amazon's different because you subscribe to Prime to get the free shipping and all that. And that what you get as you know is programming is a bonus. But Apple, you gotta pay. They just and don't want to do it. They just they they just need to avoid getting on the CW meets Paramount Plus. Listen, okay. This CW slander, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that because the CW is a widely distributed broadcast network. Like it's actually probably easier to find than some of these subscription services. Yes, but I don't think you want that to be your primary source is what I'm saying versus an ESPN after dark Correct. where you're leading from yeah. the best and also, ACC or Big Ten, Pac-12, what, what, you know, this, SEC game. What if Pac-12 after dark, what if the ESPN says you have to put your best game on Pac-12 after dark? Oh, glorious. They hate that already. They hate playing night games already. Like it's... It's crazy. They they want to start every game at 1 p.m. Pacific time. But some of these Arizona schools, they can't kick off until 9 p.m. because it's so <laughs> because hot. Because it's so hot. So we'll see what happens. But it is going to be an absolutely fascinating next week or so. This is I, this is weird. I, I thought eventually everybody would stand down. But I thought eventually that they'd come with a, a TV deal and they'd say, okay, here it is. Let's do it. And it keeps going and going. It's like it, it's becoming a Jan Brady, George Glass situation. My boyfriend, George Glass. And, or, you know, I, 
it's 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 the buddy you had in in high school is like i got a girlfriend but she lives in canada and she can't come down like at what point <laughs> do the president of the fact say dude just show us the numbers let's I, let's go we've been it's been we've been wait it's we're now past the point andy where this news that we're at the one yard line came out in december Folks have now celebrated. Kirby Smart has celebrated Christmas in July, and we still don't have yeah. a Pac-12 media rights deal. I know. And they approved expansion, kicking the tires on teams in March, and then said, no, 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 we got we to gotta do the TV deal before we expand. Even though everybody else who's done it expanded first. I don't know. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You know what does make sense? Not the famed alliance. Olu Fashinu mauling people. You know, that is the Penn State offensive tackle who might have been the top tackle in last year's draft or this year's draft. Decided to come back to Penn State. He explains why when we come back. Of Penn State, and we're talking about something very important, and that is steak. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> so, Olu, this is your first trip to Indy. Oh. You got the St. Elmo experience yes, sir, last yes, night. What did we order? Man. Tomahawk ribeye, 35 ounce. Beautiful. 35 ounce, yep. Is that, where does that rank among the largest steaks you've ever eaten? So, I think that's like number two or three nice. or four. I mean, um, granted, all, all of like the top four, they've all been different types of tomahawks, but... Um, that was definitely like number four. I know my number one mm -hmm. was the day before, or I think it was um, when I came back home uh -huh. freshman year and my mom made this like, it had to be like a 46 ounce like tomahawk. And mom like, mom just makes yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. She made it and it, like it was perfect. And like literally, like I, I like held it up and like it was, it was just massive. So yeah, that was definitely number one. But, but this one, that's, this was definitely like top five. So I've done a couple 64s, yep. 64 ounces. Yeah. And it's about speed at that point. Yeah. You, you just gotta, you start sawing, you yeah. start eating. But now, now where, where, how do we order our steaks? What do we? Oh, come on. Okay. When it comes to like good pieces of steaks, yep, you know, yep, me yep. personally, I like medium rare. That you know, that's, man, that's just there perfect. we go. Yeah, it's perfect. I actually will go rare sometimes. Really? Depending okay. on, yeah. I, One day I might, I the might. The older I got, the more rare I would really? go. Yeah, yeah, I was medium rare when I was your age. Yeah, so. it's the same thing. This is, this is unbelievable because I'm looking at you, you're three. 10? Three, like 323. 323. Yeah, around that. How is it, it? When did human beings start doing this where they're <laughs> 320 pounds and they're not fat? How, how does that work? I don't know, but I mean, all I can say is that I give all the credit in the world to Coach Losi and our great strength staff. And um, also uh, Leanne, our nutritionist, just, you know, setting me on the right path. And um, back to Coach Losi and the staff, you know, just, you know, with the great workout plans that they have for us, you know, they make sure that not only do we stay in shape, but, um, you know, we get bigger, faster and stronger and leaner every year. How did your body change from, from high school to now? Yeah, so in high school, I came to Penn State at 
like around 315, but it was a really like bad 315, mm. you know, a whole lot of fat. Then I lost, I lost, um, I lost a good amount of weight. Then I just restructured it just with a lot more like mm. lean muscle. And, and it's not that I get to eat whatever I want. It's I get to eat a lot of what they tell me I need to eat, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> most likely. I mean, yeah, I mean, that you, you basically said it perfectly. But, I mean, luckily, like, all the options they give out are pretty good. So. That is that is pretty good. Yeah. Now, I think there's probably a few people surprised that you're sitting here right now yeah. and not being forced to sing your alma mater <laughs> in front of a team meeting on, on some <laughs> NFL team. How did you make that decision? Because you were, you were very early. You mm-hmm. came out in November and said, I am coming back. Yep. Decisions made. I'm good. Yeah. How did that happen? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that decision to come back, you know, just in general with Penn State, they've been so great to my family and I for these last three years. And, you know, going into this year with having the opportunity to graduate a semester early um, with a degree in supply chain, combine that with the fact that, you know, just have another opportunity to go suit up with my brothers for one more time, you know, it made that decision to come back a lot easier than most would expect. So you can explain to us how everything broke down because of the pandemic, right? You, you, can, you can explain how <laughs> the sources, I... <laughs> the factories, the, the, the logistics of sitting off the port in California. I mean, is it, that, that's, that's what you, you yeah, guys that, talk about in, in class that is, now, That right? is supply chain, but that, that's, a, that's, a, <laughs> that's a whole level. That's a whole other level for me. So. Well, it, now, how much of the decision – I was going back through your career – was that you just hadn't really played that much Yep, of course Mm. like are you saying how much yeah i mean how much that was how much that Uh, factor in i mean i that that definitely factored it you know with being an offensive lineman uh it's a very like developmental position that you know requires a lot of reps and a lot of game time to really like get a hold on Mm -hmm. you know that that wasn't as much of a factor but um you know, just in that in general, with me coming back, it's just another opportunity for me to get in more reps, get better. So, what you get to practice against every day, I, I can't imagine anybody's got a tougher assignment than <laughs> than Abdul Carter, Chop Robinson. What, what is that like? Really hard, but you know, <laughs> I'm I'm thankful. I'm super thankful that you know I'm on their team and I'm not going against them in an actual game. I mean, when you talk about our defense, you know. If we're being, if I'm being completely honest, I think that's the best defense in the country. So for me to, for me to go against them every day during the spring, you know, you know, with all of us just getting each other better, you know, I think that's going to pay dividends at the end of the year. Then also going into camp, just you know, before playing any other team, I get to yeah. play, you know, in my opinion, the best defense in the country for a whole month. You know, I think that'll help us a lot. When Abdul got there as a freshman, what what are the first few reps look like? from him just speed just see that 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 guy's so fast and he's such a great athlete and he just you know there's some there's some guys with football where you know they're just they're just a good football player like you can just tell like everything comes natural and Abdul is that exact guy you know nothing ever seems robotic about him he knows exactly what he's doing whenever he does and you know I'm really excited for him yeah it's it's crazy watching Micah on Sundays Mm -hmm. now and they kind of figured out with Micah what what to do, and, and yeah. now there's a guy almost like that again. <laughs> yeah, no, Golly. exactly. So, what what is it like going into this season where you do have some pretty big expectations, but also you've got the players who can meet those expectations? Yeah. No, most definitely. I mean, going into the season, you know, everyone on the team knows that we have high expectations from outside the building, but you know, we're really just focused on the expectations inside the building and you know we all truly think that 
Again, no one has higher expectations for the season than ourselves, and that just is a testament to the amount of work that we put in, um, you know, starting in January all the way to up to this point, and the amount of work that we we're yet to put in with the camp starting in a uh, next week. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, with in terms of handling expectations, you know, we don't pay too much attention to outside of our facilities, mm-hmm. and you know, we just keep everything inside. Now, back to the important thing: the steak. Are you a are you a steak eater? Are you a steak cook as well? You know, I'm a, I'm a I'm a I'm a steak eater, but you know, I've been I've been diving into you know cooking steaks. You know, I'm a I'm a very big like reverse sear type of guy. Oh, you know? well, that's with your tomahawk. Yeah, so exactly. You, you go know? to about one fifteen, yeah. and then you get okay. So, uh-huh. I uh, I had my son and his friend had them on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. All the girls were out of town. Yep. We got some tomahawks. Yeah. <laughs> and I've got the, the pellet grill, which you can control the temperature mm-hmm. very precisely. So I, I had that one, and I I'd had it pretty low. Mm-hmm. Got them up to about 110, 115. Yeah. And then on the Kamado one, I had that thing at like 800 degrees. Yeah, yep. And yep. just, whoop, yep. yep. It's beautiful. Yep. That's, that's I, how does that feel when you put when you take that you put that down on that that really hot grill? It's just like you know, it's it's the best feeling in the world. You know, you're just putting on the finishing the finishing touches on the steak. You know, you you know that it, the steak's already fully cooked, but you know, putting it on a really hot grill to get that nice sear. You know, there's there are very few things you know in life that are better than that. So there's a reason he's gonna be the first lineman off the board. <laughs> that's one of them. Yes, sir. Olu Foster, thank you so much. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Welcome back. So that's Olu Fashnu. Future first rounder. Lots of stakes. I, I'm impressed. The stakes are high for Penn State this the, the, year. The, the reverse sear, but he goes against Abdul Carter and Chop Robinson every day. He's 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 practicing probably harder than anybody else. So. Yeah, I mean he's he's he came back to school because he wanted more preparation. And what's better preparation than going against a couple of potential first rounders, yep. you know, on the other side of the pass rush. So, so Matthew saw the headline I put on this thing where, where I asked if we're sleeping on Miami, which is a topic we will get to later in the show, Miami on the field, but Miami off the field, very interesting news in the Miami Herald on Sunday, uh, the sec, not the Southeastern conference, but the securities and exchange commission investigating John Ruiz, Miami's, uh, NIL sugar daddy. And it's not looking good. Turns out that life wallet may be short a few bills. Well, <laughs> so they did not turn in their annual report on time. And it was dragging out and, and, and they kept saying, okay, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It finally did get finished here in the last few weeks. And they reported revenues of $23 million. Now, when they took the company public, the projected revenues for 2022... $990 million. That's a pretty big difference. I'm sorry, $992 million. That's a pretty big difference. And I think, you know, this is a topic that's been written about multiple times throughout the last six months because the stock price has continued. It's now tra- now uh, started out $10 at the IPO, trading right. at 22 cents a share right now. Yes. Yeah. So John Ruiz did tweet that this was a hit piece in the Miami Herald, which it's not a hit piece if they're just telling everyone you're being investigated. Or if they're literally just reacting to the numbers. Yeah, that stating the numbers yeah. that you have yeah. given to people and that, you know, yeah. we can see where the stock is trading. Like right. it's not, 
it's not lies. That's that is where the stock is trading. So uh, I don't know what that means for for Miami's NIL situation. That now I will point out Ruiz is not their only NIL donor, and they've reacted accordingly, saying basically that, that yeah. we have you know we have confidence that we have built a sustainable model, and while Life Wallet is obviously a uh, strong contributor to our brand, we have you know, ex collectives that are working on, um, supporting our athletes. So I just, it's, it's crazy to me because you knew when there was an IPO and, and basically a billion dollars on paper that this was going to get a lot of attention, but I think Ruiz used the NIL stuff, knowing that he'd get a lot of publicity around the NIL stuff to promote the IPO. Didn't work, and didn't didn't I mean? It, I don't know the, the inner workings of this, but didn't the Cavalier twins that went there and made all that money a year ago? The basketball players, the yeah. basketball players, women's basketball players, they still had a year of eligibility, right? And they're going to the WWE, uh, right? But I think they're probably doing all right. I, I don't, I don't. It might have been that they they could make more money doing it the other way. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. That's what I was. That's why I didn't know. But I didn't know if it their decision was precipitated because they saw this stock going. Well, I'm I'm sure there are concerns for anybody who has a deal with them because they're being investigated and and now what the NIL deals are for is very small potatoes compared to the kinds of, of dollar amounts we're talking about because he had a had another situation where the guy who originally came up with the the name Life Wallet, the company Life Wallet uh, that he bought it from wanted 12 and a half million dollars from him. So, it's it's what do you a think lot Tyler of Van Dyke's thinking right now. Could have been Alabama starting quarterback, maybe. I don't. Well, could have been competing to be Alabama starting quarterback, but it is a strange situation. Uh, we'll have to keep our eyes on that. But we're going to change gears again. Back to realignment. John Canzano, who is one of the more plugged-in guys on the West Coast, he's Portland-based. He's got a radio show, podcast with John Wilner, who's the other most plugged-in guy in the Pac-12. And John has talked to multiple Pac-12 presidents throughout all this. He's talked a lot to George Klyavkov. He's going to explain to us how the Pac-12 got in this situation. So we'll be right back with John Canzano. John Canzano, you can hear him everywhere in the state of Oregon on the radio, on Ball Face Truth Show. You can also read him at johncanzano.com. You can also listen to the most informative Pac-12 podcast there is, Wilner and Kenzano, or is it Kenzano and Wilner? John, what, how, which which John goes first in that deal? He let me go first. I don't know why. He's a nice he's a nice guy. He goes, oh no, it's no, alphabet. no alphabetical, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, for those who don't know, John is one of those tapped in people in the Pac-12, based in Portland, and I had to have him on because this is just some things just mystify me about what is going on in the Pac-12, John. And you've been in touch with, with various presidents and athletic directors all through this process. And it was interesting. I was, I was poking around on your site, and I noticed a story that you wrote in March about them approving expansion can the idea of expansion candidates, just looking into it, doing your homework, vetting, that sort of thing. And here we are in July, and none of that has happened, and a meteorite still hasn't happened, and now they've lost Colorado what is the holdup? 
Well, I think one is you're dealing with academics in that room. And the Pac-12 presidents and chancellors, I think, are a little different than maybe some of the other conferences. Uh, they're not pirates. They're not aggressive. They're, some of them are not all that tuned into sports. And, and they have long been on their high horse about academics and culture. And that stuff's important. I get it. But I think they've moved too slowly here. And I think Colorado ultimately lost patience. I think we saw that this week. The USC-UCLA thing, I think, was a little bit naive. I think that they should have been more tuned in to those two schools not being as engaged. And I think that was a big misfire early in the George Kleofkoff tenure. But, yeah, let's go back to March. Like, they had approved exploration. It was San Diego State, SMU, as we all know now, were, the, were one and two. I think Colorado State was one of the top four. I haven't confirmed mm -hmm. that, but it was loosely confirmed to me early on that they had poked around Colorado State. And I don't know if that was a contingency move or if they were just exploring it, but they may now have to uh, go full boat into that. Well, and that's what I wonder, because we look at what happened to the Big 12. When they lost Texas and Oklahoma, within weeks, they had added BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and and why am I blanking on Houston? And and they, they they added all those within weeks. Now, granted, they had done the vetting process years earlier with the the David Boren induced dog and pony show, but that seemed to be a nice template for how this works. And that what what I can't understand, and, and I'm curious if someone's given you some insight on this. Why is it that they feel like they can't? do any expansion until they get the meteorites deal done because nobody else has done it that way they've all done it in reverse yeah in the media executives i've talked with say look at least at face value you need to know who's in who's who's committed from your members and who are you potentially adding now i've been told they ran several different models including if you go back to last december they were running models that included UCLA returning in the event of the UC Regents. So maybe that explains some of the early pause. Maybe they were holding out hope that UCLA would come back. They would just replace them with San Diego State. But you're right. That order of operations doesn't make sense if we know that your media value is, you know, you need to know, is, is SMU part of this conference? Is San Diego State part of this conference? That's how you come up with the total value. And look, we've seen the Big 12 you know, they do a, you know, they had a clause in their contract that allowed them to add Power Five members. And, you know, maybe mm -hmm. the Pac-12 was going, hey, we'll just add that afterwards. And then if you add value. But I was told early on by multiple members of the CEO group that they really wanted to nail down the deal first. Then they were going to pivot to the members and go, OK, uh, their potential media partners and go, OK, does San Diego State add X value, Y value? OK, we can bring them in. Does SMU? It feels a little clunky and formulaic to me and a little naive. And now that we look at it, I mean, you know, we could argue that there was a misfire there. And maybe the Big 12, having gone through this, like you said, yeah. they had been through this. They were facing, they were teetering a couple years ago and Pac-12 could have rated them. Maybe they were much more equipped to pivot. But uh, I think the Pac-12 is doing some soul searching in the last 72 hours. That's the part I'm curious about because... The, the two that are most interesting to me, well, I, I think we can make it three, Oregon, Washington, and Utah. Two of those, Oregon and Washington, from a brand standpoint, are stronger than anybody in the Pac-12 or the Big 12 individually. Utah is the two-time defending Pac-12 champion, has done nothing but get better since joining the Pac-12 from the Mountain West. If I'm Brett Yormark, 
I'm saying I want you three and we'll be 16 and we're done. And I would imagine that that's not what Oregon, Washington and Utah want, given what they've said publicly and what they've said privately. But at what point do they have to start listening to other potential options? I think they needed to listen early. And I think they did some of that. But I think Oregon in particular looked at the Big Ten first and and also maybe the SEC. And they didn't get a lot of warmth in return for those because I think Oregon and their brand, they see themselves as kind of above the Big 12 conference and a tent pole in the Pac-12. They also, you know, uh, value the access to the playoff. So as long as the right. Pac-12 has access to that playoff, I do think there's a motivation for Oregon to stay put. Uh, they have the great equalizer in Phil Knight. They aren't they aren't hurting for revenue. It doesn't matter as much in Eugene that you know they're 30 or 35 million dollars behind the Big Ten conference in annual revenue because Phil Knight can write a check. So I think Oregon was thinking about that. Plus, you have a complex relationship with Oregon State, and and I really do wonder how much pushback you'd get from the state capital if you tried to separate those two schools. I think we've seen some of that at Washington and Washington State as well. And then to your Utah point, I just think those three schools all value access to the playoff. And I think Utah knows now because it's a two-time champion, it can get there from the Pac-12. So as long as this conference can stay together, get a reasonable amount of money in this media rights deal, I think all three were thinking all along, hey, we're better suited in a 10-team conference or a 12-team conference than going anywhere else. But I think they all have to be listening at this point because as Colorado proved, you can't really trust the people in the room right now. Like they're yeah. all, they're all pirates, so to speak. Like <laughs> exactly. You know, Colorado was telling people a week before they left, Hey, we're all in behind closed doors in the meeting. I've talked to other members there and they all kind of went, yeah, yeah, you're going to do what's best for you. But they were getting messaging from Colorado that said, Hey, we're all in. And you know, they should not have been surprised by this because I think Philip DeStefano had gone public. We all heard mm -hmm. it. He wanted numbers, but um, at this point, everybody's got to do what's best for themselves. But, you know, again, the messaging internally was not matching what was happening externally. I, I was reading Brady McCullough's story in the LA Times the other day where, where he talked about USC blocking potential expansion before they left. And it reminded me of back in the Big East ACC days, the Big East breakup. There were Big East schools that said they, they had a TV deal on the table. Pretty good one from ESPN. And there were schools that said, no, 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 let's just wait on this. And all those schools went to the ACC. Yeah. And so, like, do the, do the Pac-12 presidents not realize that when someone's mouth is moving in realignment times that they're probably lying to them? I think there's some of that, that, that naive sentiment. I do think it occurs in that room. And, and some of it is due to the fact that I think, you know, prior to maybe 10 years ago, when the media rights money started to explode, that world was very much about, hey, we just want athletics to be self-sustaining. And it was viewed as kind of the toy department. Like, you know, anybody who's worked at a newspaper knows that the sports section was always viewed as a, you know, the leisure section. And that's the toy yeah. department over there. They're just covering games and having fun. That When now suddenly you have billion dollar TV deals involved, you have cutthroat, um, you know, business people who are leading these conferences. There's no longer... The, you know, the Greg Sankey's of the world who came up running the intramural department at Ithaca College, you know, those guys don't the, exist the anymore. Southland Conference, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's a long way from that. 100%. So I think there is a little bit, like if they're, if they're not tuned into it now, after Colorado, they'll never get tuned into it. But yeah, I'm told they've met several times in the last few days. 
Um, I'm, uh, they've closed ranks a little bit. Uh, I think the early part of this next week is going to be really interesting because I think they need to show some action internally. So I'm curious about the numbers. So Klyavkov has been communicating with the presidents themselves. I know the ADs have kind of been shut out a lot of this. Has he been giving them ballpark figures, ballpark idea of what networks are involved all along? I think that, you know, you have to re remember there's the Pac-12 CEO group, which is all the presidents and chancellors. Right now it's the nine remaining. And then within that, they have an executive committee. Now I'm told that the executive committee did get a deeper look at numbers and felt good about it. Now, I don't know if they shared that throughout, but the sentiment I was getting in the room, and I'm not just talking to one president, I'm talking to multiple presidents. The sentiment all along was they liked where it was going. I believed it was headed to Apple and ESPN, some sort of blend in that way. It felt to me, I asked, you know, I asked one of the CEO group members uh, after media day, I said, how confident are you that, you know, football season starts and this is done? And it came back that very confident, this will not be hanging overhead. Uh, you know, I, I just, I think they were moving in the right direction and Colorado may be different. Maybe Colorado isn't as, tied to the Pac-12 because it came from the Big 12. Maybe it just got impatient. Maybe it really, yeah. down deep, had some conflicting agenda internally. I don't know. But I, I I, think now you have to look around that room and you have to ask, like, you know, can we trust anything that anybody's saying? Get some numbers on paper, get them in front of the presidents, and try to hold this conference together. So what exactly is the holdup on firm numbers for a deal? Because there's nobody getting rights right now. There's nobody doing rights deals between now and when they have to have this done. They could have had numbers anytime in the last nine months. What's going to change between now and two weeks from now? Yeah, that's a big question. And I think what the Pac-12 needs to do, and it's going to take some strong leadership, is pivot to those partners and say it needs to happen now or it's not going to happen. Because they're kind of getting to that point. And I think the, you know, I was told that the shifting sands in the streaming world, you know, some of it with Apple, you saw Apple make the big deal with MLS and yep. they were real happy. And then Messi goes to Miami and then ESPN and Disney have, you know, all the layoffs and Bob Iger comes out and says, look, we're, we're seeking an equity partner that can help, you know, position us for success. Which could, and, could be Apple. <laughs> yeah, could be Apple. And so yeah. I asked that question directly. I said, you know, did, does that Apple, ESPN, Disney equation, did that cause a pause? And I was told, yes, it caused a pause in the negotiation. It caused, um, but I was given that quote, it's going to be worth the wait, meaning that they were being told, hey, when this comes out on the other side, you're going to be in better position. We're going to have our stuff together. But again, that delay, I think, caused the, cost them Colorado. And, you know, they're going to have to determine if that was worth it. So you take the Dion piece out of the equation, from a brand standpoint, I don't really know that San Diego State and Colorado are all that different, or SMU in Colorado. But the San Diego State one, especially San Diego State, competitively, at least over the last ten years, in the two revenue sports, a lot better than Colorado. So that's the other one. I, why not just get that done? I mean, it's a state university in California. You'd think at least Cal would be on board and just say, "Hey, guys, pretty good school, good sports. Let's go." Yeah, I talked with a number of prospective expansion candidates in the last few days and San Diego State is still sitting there going, we're waiting for them to get their media rights deal done. And I think the thirty four million dollar 
you know, balloon that has been caused by missing that deadline, uh, yeah. July one is a is a hang up. But for me, it's not a hang up if you say, look, do it, do what the SEC did with Texas and Oklahoma. We're adding you. It'll be effective, uh, mm-hmm. you know, July one, twenty twenty five, not twenty twenty four. You're in. You're a full member. We, yep. you know, here's what you're getting. And but and in the interim, you pivot to SMU and you go, hey, you're going to be member number ten right now. Grab that Dallas-Fort Worth market, 2.9 million households, and make that happen. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think we're all sitting here going, okay, what what is the holdup with expanding? But I think they're in that position as well. And I think there are a lot of interested parties, particularly the Arizona schools that are now looking, going, okay, what's happening this week? What's going to happen mm-hmm. early this week? So what do you think is going to happen, and what time frame are we looking at right now? I just think they, that the time for sitting back – being prudent, um, you know, trying to, uh, you know, be patient and wait is over. And this is where it takes real leadership. I think George Klyovkov's got to go to the media partners, got to go to the consultants and say, this happens now or never. We need uh, paper to pen. You need numbers down. Because even internally, you know, on Thursday and Friday of last week, when Colorado announces, you know, they're going, the messaging still was, we're together but it, it, came, it started being, it feels like we're together because nobody was quite trusting it. It wasn't like as definitive as it was a few weeks ago. And, and you have to start wondering, you know, uh, for the schools that, that have somewhere to go, if there is an Arizona that has somewhere to go, would they really be willing to leave Arizona State? That is a big question. Yep. Would they leave them behind? Would the Big 12 go beyond where they say they want to go and add multiple teams? I don't know. But it feels to me like paper to pen, pedal to the metal, Get off your high horse, forget about the culture, forget about the academics and start thinking like a pirate. <laughs> the the late Mike Leach, former Washington State coach, oh. would uh would approve of this. What message. would he say? Andy, what would he have oh. said about all Oh, of- he would have he would have been furious because Washington State is fighting for its athletic survival right now. Washington State, Oregon State, yep. I think they're in the same boat. Cal uh, kind of in a similar position. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it, it really does feel like especially those schools should be putting the most pressure on because but I do think this is an interesting dynamic here because if you look at the Big 12, what was left after Texas and Oklahoma, left, the eight that were left, they were all very similar, mm-hmm. all similar in profile, similar academically, similar athletically, and they'd been through a bunch of crap together. Like the difference between them and this group in the Pac-12, like Stanford and Cal are completely different than Oregon State and Washington State. They're, they're not the same thing. And I do think that makes making decisions or being aligned a little more difficult. Oh, 100%. And I, and I think, you know, Oregon State and Washington State have to be a little nervous right now and have to be looking yeah. out for themselves. But I think simultaneously, you know, the conversations I have with people at Stanford, it, you know, relate around the fact that, you know, they're not totally comfortable where college athletics is going. They value the Olympic sports more than others do. People in the SEC would roll their eyes at them when they hear when they hear they're talking about. You can, know, can I hold? Can I raise my hand and yeah. solve their problem immediately? Yeah, do it. <laughs> Take a chunk off your endowment and endow the sports. Done. There you go. Your Olympic sports problem yeah. is solved. You're how, welcome. How about this? How about this one, Andy? How about how about you know? I keep thinking about Phil Knight. He is a legacy guy. It matters to him. Does mm-hmm. the Pac-12 matter to Phil Knight? You know, I'm trying to get that answer. And it, it could just be as simple as Phil Knight coming in and going, OK, how do we solve this problem? Because they need that kind of thinking. They need a guy who has built a company in the room. They need a guy who's a visionary in the room. And 
And I think, you know, if I'm George Klyovkov, that's a phone call I'm making. I'm having a conversation with Phil Knight going, what do you think here? Because he may have a solution that they don't, nobody's thinking about, or he may be able to write a check that nobody expects. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, the assumption out here everywhere else is that Oregon and Washington is waiting on the Big Ten. But look, you can do whatever you want and wait on the Big Ten. You can stay in the Pac-12. You can go to the Big 12. We're talking about six-year media de- media rights deals. Yeah. You just leave when the Big Ten does their new deal if they want to expand at that point. But they don't want to expand right now. Yeah, there's no appetite for it. And you know, look, Phil Knight's 86 years old. That Oregon's trying to get to the playoff and, and give him a return on his investment. He's put a yeah. billion dollars into that university. And, you know, he's been patient to a point. Um, you know, they give Dan Lanning the big extension. And, uh, you know, I think Oregon is is geared maniacally right now on getting to the playoff. It expands. Yep. They have access. But in order for that to happen, this conference has to stay together. And so I, that's where I wonder if Phil Knight comes in and goes, OK, we'll keep it together in the next five, six years. Here's how we're going to do it. Well, that would be very interesting. John, I know you did not intend to be working that much this past week. You didn't weren't expecting a team to leave the Pac-12. You were working on a camp that your foundation puts on. And so tell us a little bit about that camp and then how Ralphie leaving affected yeah. that. Crazy. I mean, but this is the life of a sports writer, and you know this. Like, you know, you're never really on vacation. You're never really away. And you can almost assume that if you do go on vacation, uh, hell's going to break loose. Like, yes, exactly. that's just how it works. Part of the job. But, uh, you know, we have a nonprofit. The Bald Face Truth Foundation was founded in 2009. It helps kids in art, music, education, and athletics. I figured as long as I was doing a radio show and writing a column, I might as well do something that really matters. You know, like, I got frustrated a little bit by the fact that a lot of what we do, Andy, disappears at the end of the day. It goes into the yeah. ether. We don't have a fence that we built to show for it. And so I just I know how important co-curricular activities were for me and my wife, you know, as we grew up. And so we've just bought in big time to raising money and funding a lot of programs in the Pacific Northwest. And one of the coolest things we do, probably the coolest thing I, I do all year is we do Camp Exceptional. And my brother's an adaptive PE specialist in California. He and his team have been doing stuff like this in their school districts. And I got to talking with him and I said, why don't we bring you up for the summer? This was 10 years ago. We'll put on a camp for typical kids and special needs kids. It's uh, inclusive. They're working together. They're playing sports together. We'll get athletes to volunteer as team leaders and get them to work with the kids. And we'll put on a sports camp. And we're in the 10th year now. We've had more than 1,000 kids come through it. It's really cool to see some of the kids who were ca- like campers 10 years ago, now working as counselors. Portland State's football team comes out, volunteers, serves at t- as team leaders. You got these big old football players crying at the end of the week because oh. they're working with kids who have challenges and they don't want it to end. And the basketball program at University of Portland and Portland State both volunteer. Some community college athletes volunteer. And it's it, it really is the highlight of our summer. And my entire family, we had 20 people staying at our house, Andy, and you know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. And we, you know, we just put this camp on every day. But yeah, I'm at the camp and my phone's blowing up on Thursday morning with Pac-12 sources who were going, you know what, I'm not sure about Colorado. There was a, a big shift that morning as the regents were going to meet. And I took mm-hmm. not sure as meaning they're gone. Like, you know, yeah, you don't say you're not sure if you're inside the uh, Pac-12 inner sanctum. And so, you know, I re- I've, got my, I've got my laptop with me because that's what we do. And you know that. But uh, I stepped away from the camp, wrote some stuff and updated it. But 
after reporting that, I walk back out onto the field and I see, you know, there are kids who are dealing with real challenges. They're sight impaired. They're using assistive devices. They, um, you know, the kids that, that have Asperger's or Down syndrome or uh, are on the spectrum and they're competing and working together in this sports camp alongside kids who are typical kids who are probably getting more out of it than anybody. It's just, it's real perspective. It, it, it all kind of floated away from me. And I went, you know, this is the stuff that matters. This, this sports world stuff will figure itself out. Yeah. The conference stuff will eventually get done. That, that is what matters. And uh, John, thank you for doing that. And, uh, and thank you for, for joining us. Thanks, Andy. Welcome back. So by the way, if you like what you're hearing, like, subscribe, comment on the YouTube stream. We'll see it right now. You can make fun of us if you want. And if you make fun of Jesse, I'll probably just throw it up there. Uh, so, Jesse, we have to talk about some of our takeaways from all these conference media days because they are all over. We have now had time to digest. And I feel like some of the days, stuff just got covered by other things. And I go back to that, that first day of ACC media days. All everybody's worried about what is Jim Phillips going to say? The Northwestern stuff is happening. He's getting named in lawsuits. Also, there's potential, you know, strife within the ACC. Does anybody want to leave? Mario Cristobal. Pat Narduzzi popping off. Oh, yeah. Pat Narduzzi (laughs) popped. Put a lid on it. Yeah, no, no. Uh, Mario Cristobal was there that day. Sounded awfully confident in his offensive line. And he's not a guy who throws around praise for his offensive line willy-nilly. And the fastest way, as you know, to get better is to be better on the offensive line. So if Mario Cristobal is not blowing smoke, if he indeed feels like that line is better, and you know, it's one of those situations might be a little bit similar to LSU last year where, you know, LSU had Will Campbell. You knew as a true freshman, he's going to start. Um, Francis Malgoa is a top 20 recruit who could potentially start. And I think that seems to be where that's headed. And then uh, Sam- Samson Okololo may be the Emory Jones of, of that duo and maybe coming in, you know, I don't know if he starts day, day one or, or eventually starts, but I like that Mario is confident. I know he's got a good secondary. Cam Kitchens, I think, you know, people are talking about him as a potential first-round pick. Is it possible they could be good this year? Williams there. I mean, they have a nice safety duo. I, You know, in, in a Stars Matter world, the fact that Mario went out and got two of the top ten or top five offensive tackles yep. in the 2023 class, he then got Javon Cohen, offensive lineman from Alabama. Yep. Uh Matthew Lee is an all-conference guy at UCF a year ago, going to play center. This is an offensive line that was terrible last year. It was real bad. And it It was was the problem. I mean, and you know, I think Miami has something like seven new staff members this year. Not a new offensive line coach. They, well, Alex Mirabel is right. And and well regarded. All are tied at the hip. They played together on the same line in high school. Exactly. But I'm just saying it's noteworthy that even though that unit in particular had its issues a year ago, that was not a change that Mario deemed necessary. The question is, is what kind of start can they get off to? Because they play A&M in week, what is it, two? Two, yep. And they don't, I mean, their schedule, not a lot of let up in that Miami schedule. They, They have to play North Carolina, Clemson, and Florida State. So as ACC schedules go, it's about as rough as it gets. Yeah, and there, you know, I know 
they're I think they're kind of like in the Nebraska situation where people are kind of wish wish thinking, you know, their their return to resurgence. They obviously are in a better position than what Nebraska has been in recent years, but I think their win total was still only around seven, Nobody's seven and a half. Nobody's feeling particularly optimistic. I think the Texas A&M game will tell us a lot. Yeah. It's one of those where everybody's going to panic about whoever loses. And the question, oh, oh I, <laughs> yes, definitely. The question for Miami is, is if the offensive line is fixed, do they have the receiving talent right. that can rise the tide, so to speak? Uh, because I think we expect Tyler Van Dyke to be better in, in, in Shannon Dawson's yeah. offense. And Shannon Dawson's good with quarterbacks. I mean, it, you, you go back through his history. He's he's had good fortune, and then and the quarterbacks have liked working with him. So I do think he, that, that Van Dyke's going to be in a better place than he was. And, and look, if you go back to the end of the 2021 season, Tyler Van Dyke looked like a rising star, like a potential high NFL draft pick. Yeah, and then yeah, he went from guys putting his name in those way too early first round yeah. mock drafts to a guy that wouldn't have been signed off the scrap heap. With, right. with now, he battled injuries a year ago. Let's yeah, be fair. I, I think but, that's the other. Part but there was some confidence uh, stuff. Obviously, the James Gaddis offense did not work. Yeah. And, and and Mario, you know, I joked I joked in a column last week doing ACC power rankings that. It was as if you know everyone we're we're, st we're both stoked for the future of the uh, yeah. EA Sports. Yep. Next dynasty NCAA football. I think Mario pulled the plug and hit the reset button. Yeah. You know, after the well, way after the I way mean, last Josh year Gattis went. Was done probably in November, but it took him a while to actually say it. But yeah, I think they they had decided to to move on, and you know we'll, we'll see if the revamp works. It, it, it's not an e it's not easy that you lose your OC by choice. You lose your DC because Nick Saban said, hey, come coach my five stars. And we'll see what happens. What's your, what you got? My, my first storyline that I think, this actually did get a little bit of play, but you and I haven't gotten to talk about it. Your boy, Neil Brown, mm -hmm. Mr. Yolo. Uh, you know, he, he, went, he got pretty hot on the mic at, at Big 12 Media Days and lambasted, lambasted the media, called them lazy oh. for their reporting saying, we are not going to finish last in the Big 12. We have never, since I've been there, finished last in the Big 12. Ooh. I think he's right, and I still think he's going to get fired. So to, to keep the job, I think you've got to win eight games probably. Because they, they, they've put, they put a pretty impossible situation in front Ren of Ren Baker, new AD yeah. there. Yeah, and Ren Baker, as he was getting interviewed, the questions are, how are you handling the Neil Brown situation? Neil has to overperform to have a chance to keep his job. That's why I'm so excited about this Penn State season opener. Penn State, West Virginia. I was looking it up, and by the way, there's a peacock on it. It's on NBC. That's going to that's gonna feel a little weird to see that game on NBC. But I just think Neil Brown's going to run every trick play in the book. I mean, you have to. You have to do it. He's calling plays. He's going to go out on his terms if he's going to go out. But I, I don't disagree with him that I think they're going to be feisty. I just, he's got to really perform well to keep that job. I mean, they they have 11 power five games this year. Lions, yes. the guy who hired him has done him no favors yeah. with this schedule. I don't think they're going to finish last. They may be frisky. I still think ultimately he's going to get fired because a new AD wants to call yeah. his own shots there. The guy, the guy who's probably going to finish last is West Virginia's former coach, Dana Holgerson at Houston. Who's also going to get fired? And it could be it could be a loser leaves town game. 
They when do those play. Two, they when do those play. two play in the middle of October. Yeah, we have to we have to retrain our brains that we got to look at Big 12 schedules to see who plays whom because before it was a true round robin. Now, you don't know who's playing who. You can actually get an easy one or a hard one. All right, speaking of coaches who lambasted the media for the way they picked I am so excited about Biff Pogey at Charlotte. I cannot even tell you. Any other questions for Coach? That's it? Three questions? Maybe right, that's because you have us ranked last. That's all what you think of us. <laughs> so that, that, we, we get that message. Thank you. Love it. Former hedge fund manager. Current, current. Uh, Loaded. He, he is also currently the fundraiser for Charlotte's football yeah. program. Yeah. Loaded. So this is an interesting guy. And the comparison is Joe Moglia at Coastal Carolina. But I look at what he did at St. Francis. And there's a documentary, I believe it's on HBO, where you can watch what he did at St. Francis. You'll see some of the players who who are going to be playing for him at Charlotte. He's got quite a few guys who signed with Power 5 teams and maybe it didn't quite work out as well as they wanted to. He's got like two sixth or seventh year seniors from and, Michigan who right. were like, and they're coming. Well, and remember his son Henry played at Michigan. Yeah. So he's got connections everywhere. He was at Michigan with Harbaugh the last few years. I'm fascinated to see what happens because again, he's got some players back that he coached in high school who it didn't work out at the Power Five places they went, but maybe it works out at Charlotte. Charlotte's first year in the American could be very interesting. They're gonna finish last. I, I think they are I think, not gonna finish last. I think that I think they I think they have like the lowest returning production in that conference per or per, in that yeah in that league per Bill Conley. I I am well they, maybe because the production left and they brought in no his some metric, better guys his metrics count in the transfers. Yeah. He, he's he's come up with new numbers. I do think Pogi will be a fascinating character because clearly he's just going to pop oh, we're, off. We're going we're to get him on the show. I'm going to, I'm going to call them go. up and, and we'll get him on the show because I, I am fascinated to. How can you not love a dude talk. named Biff? Oh yeah. He, like he coached without sleeves when he was coaching high school. I don't know if you can get away with that in, in college, but I hope so. I heard he bear wrestled Jim Harbaugh. I'll bet he won. <laughs> I don't know. Did, uh, did he have to pay for dinner? I don't know. I mean, that's too, too. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has got money, but Biff, Biff Pogey's got money, money. All right, what's your what's your second one? Uh, my second one is: Are we the collective we being the national media sleeping on Oregon? Pick to finish fourth in the Pac-12. Okay, that's just Pac, that's Pac-12 media because okay, I would yes. not have picked them fourth. I would not have picked them fourth either. But I've seen some other folks kind of throw some cold water. I think there's on a Lannings. really good chance they win the league. I I think, and yet they got one vote. Yeah, I think if if a Pac-12 team makes the playoff. It will be USC or Oregon having won the league, and you know, maybe Utah will prove me wrong. Maybe Utah will win number three in a row, and they'll be undefeated, or they'll have one loss, and they will break the streak and become the Pac-12's first playoff team since 2016. But I think Oregon and USC, when you look at their rosters, and that's what the committee is going to do, they're going to say, you know what? If they play some of these teams, there's a better shot. Now I know what happened when they played Georgia last year. You don't have to remind me. They're going to be better this year than than they were last year, at least from a pure talent standpoint. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think Bucky Irving's a stud at tailback. Mm-hmm. Uh, that if their defensive line, which honestly has not played up to the former five star Jordan Birch, South Carolina transfer, that sounds pretty nice, especially for a defensive line that hasn't exactly lived up to its stars 
thus far. I think they had just 18 sacks last season. That needs to be better. You went nuts getting to draft Bo Nix. I know. And so if he stays if, healthy, he's going to put up massive numbers. So that's what I think. I think folks are sleeping on Oregon. They also, schedule wise, they play at Washington, mm-hmm. at Utah, middle of the season. If they split those games, right? They don't have split, to win them both. Yeah. You split those games, you get USC and Oregon State at home two of the last three weeks of the season. They will dictate what about, who what goes. What about Coach Prime early? Pity the, pity the prime. That's that's your you're welcome to the Pac-12. Yes. Get out of the Pac-12 moment right there. That that's going to be a yeah. duck stampede. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. It is crazy. I, I I just I think Oregon has a good chance of winning this league. I know, we agree. I know USC is probably going to be the favorite for most people. Twenty five with thirty six votes. And obviously Utah. We we're just never going to give them credit, are we? Like no, and they, I, they win this thing like six times in a row, and we're still not going to give them credit. There does seem to be a little bit of skepticism, which notable for us down here in Gainesville, a little bit of skepticism of whether whether Cam, Cam Irving, Rising, him Rising, excuse me, yeah. can play Week One. Billy Napier is certainly probably crossing his fingers. Yeah, they better get ready for him just in yeah. case, because Kyle Whittingham said it's it's going to come down to the wire on that. But Brant Queethy is going to play, and he tore Florida up last year, so. We'll see what happens, but now we get to our extra point, and boy, uh, it's a fun one. We were in Indianapolis last week for the Big Ten Media Days, and uh, James Franklin offered a little advice to our producer, River Bailey, who had never had the St. Elmo Shrimp cocktail before. Uh, James had taken his team, his guys, to St. Elmo. The the owner of St. Elmo is a Penn State grad. They had tomahawk steak you heard olu talking about that olu did not have the shrimp cocktail but uh franklin was teaching the other guys how you eat it and he gave some advice to river all right james i got my my rookie producer river he's gonna have his first st elmo shrimp cocktail while we're here so just just give him before you go how do you do it i think the biggest tip is don't have manners and chew with your mouth open because if your mouth is shut I don't know what you call them, vapors or whatever. It's just, it feels like it's going to explode out your nostrils. Correct. Yeah. It, 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 and if, like he said, if you got a cold, it's the best thing ever. But if not, I, I would just don't have manners when you eat it. All right, Jesse, I want you to critique Rivers' technique here. So we didn't get into St. Elmo because it's St. Elmo. Well, we were trying to get the, the show done and, and we couldn't exactly be sure when we we're going to re- be ready. So we couldn't nail down a reservation. But Harry and Izzy's, the sister restaurant, Serves the same shrimp cocktail. So River got to Harry and Izzy's, and uh, and here is River trying the shrimp cocktail. And Jesse, I want you to critique this. There you go. All right. You don't need to crack it. Just eat it. Pull the shrimp out and eat it. Oh, the shrimp's in there. You use the fork to get the shrimp out. It's a big shrimp. It's a jumbo shrimp. I'm not used to it. It's an oxymoron. Man size bite right there. How are we feeling? <laughs> My sinuses are gone. There you go. <laughs> Pretty solid. It's good? It is good. All right. It's just very opened up now. There you go. All your senses are firing right now. There you go. So River took a massive bite. That was it. That was an impressive bite. He was he seemed a little 
not impressed with the shrimp. He seemed to be kind of, it was it okay. It was okay. And then but, kaboom. But then, boom, I mean, it did. It was like a he'd walk too close to the fire, and then the wind just. Well, went, the, the thing is, when you first have it, what's going through your mind is cocktail sauce can't possibly be that hot. So who cares? I'll take a big old bite. God bless horseradish. And it, and it takes a second or so, and then it feels like it's all going to explode out of every orifice in your face, and that's where he was. When he's like, oh, oh man, it's it 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 is a it's a brilliant bite. I have I too have never been to the original St. Elmo's. Have only been to Harry and sisters, Izzy's. Yeah, yep. Harry and Izzy's. So uh, good on River. Welcome to the club. I'm glad you at least got to experience it, taste it. Um, I mean, like you said, the best part was he went for it. Dove in. That's right. Too big jumbo shrimp. I, that's I, what I appreciate. Like if you're gonna be a bear, be a grizzly. Just grab it. Huge bite, perfect, love it, and so that's that's our newest member of the team. That's River. So may have a different food take tomorrow. We might. less impressive. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. We there is a there's a photo floating around on social media from from Michigan that we may have to critique. Dear Andy, show tomorrow. So get your questions in. You know where to find us at Andy underscore Staples at Jesse R E Simonton on. Uh, I'm calling it Twitter. I'm sorry. I, I'm not calling it X. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram, Andy underscore Staples. Jesse's on Instagram as well. And remember, if you want to send a video question, if you want to be mildly internet famous and be on video asking your question, andystapleson3 at gmail.com. Just attach, you know, turn, turn the phone on yourself, shoot a video, attach it, and we will play your question on air and then we will answer it so we love your questions they make for the best shows so we will talk to you tomorrow night it's a dear andy show get those questions in